Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Praise God. Well, if you have, well, you don't have to read this part here, but you can if you want to open up to the book of Acts chapter 4. I'll be getting there in just a few moments. I just want to start out here just to kind of um, um, lay a foundation in, in and connect the dots with the fact that we've been talking about um, the blessing of God, the Barak of God, the blessing. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and He adds no sorrow to it. But In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12, you'll have heard this scripture before. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible says the word of God is living and powerful. Somebody say the word of God God. is living and powerful. Then... um, In the book of John, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In the beginning was the Word. We know that the Word there is Jesus. Amen? Now, if we go back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the Word of God is living and powerful. That Word is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the manifestation of the Word of God. Are you with me? Just stick with me here. Now, Deuteronomy 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgment which I am teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in... And take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Come on. He says, uh, listen to the statutes and the, ju- and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go and take possession. Come on. Somebody say take possession. And then it continues. It says, you shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it. Somebody say, you shall not add and you shall not take away. All right, we don't want to touch the Word. Are you with me? Jesus is the Word. We cannot alter that Word. We cannot shift it and, and change it around to, to be whatever we want it to be. Amen. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to, and in fact, let me just go ahead because I was just about to go into that naturally. Second Timothy, I'm just giving you references. Uh, I'm reading the Scripture here to you so that uh, you have the Scripture references because I would be doing this just in talking and walking like I normally would. So I wanted to attach the Scripture to it. It says, all Scripture. Somebody say all. All All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be adequate, adequate and equipped for every work. So all Scripture is inspired by God. Not some scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. And then it says here, it's for teaching, reproof, correction and training. Now, how many of you know the book of Hebrews also says that, that um, God chastises those who He loves? And I, and I mentioned that last week 
And what is the, the chastisement of God is the training of God or the discipline of God. Amen? So the, the, the Word of God is there to encourage, exhort. It's there for correction and reproof. It's there for training. Come on. Disciple, dis, discipleship or discipline is, uh, discipline is training for your future. Amen. Come on. It's not punishment for your past. Oh, come on, somebody. Discipline is training for your future. It's not punishment for your past. Come on, are you with me? That's what the Word of God is there. Correction is not for your rejection. Correction is for your protection. Amen? So, so the Word of God is there uh, to exhort, to edify, to correct. And the corrective nature of the Word is too, so that Christ can be formed in us so that moving forward, we would have learned a lesson on what not to do next time. Are you with me? Uh, so we don't repeat the same thing over and over and again. Are you with me? So we have all of this Word and I want to bring that up because I want to tell you, you, we have no idea. Do you know that there's like something like 400 and something or more, I'm just giving you, I'm being very, very moderate now, 400 and something translations of the Bible, 400 translations of the Bible. And obviously, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say the translations there that are very, very minimum, minimized to where there's probably 10 of those translations that actually under the scope and scrutiny of translations that actually are most resemble or are as accurate to the original manuscripts that have been translated. Are you with me? Probably only 10. Okay. So <clears throat> what goes into all of that? The reason I'm bringing all of this up is because I'm talking about the Word of God that we don't add to it. We don't take away from it. When the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than into to it short. These are the words that proceed out of the mouth of God that is Jesus that we do not alter the things that God says. All right. So the scrutiny of translations actually goes something along the lines of probably a couple of hundred theologians and Bible scholars that take the Word of God. They take the Torah. Some people will take the major prophets. Some people will take the minor prophets. And by the way, uh, when we talk about major prophets and minor prophets, it's not because the one is major and the one is minor and the one is greater and the one is lesser. The reason we have major prophets and minor prophets is simply this, is because the major prophets, the scope or volumes of their, what was written in ink is greater than the minor ones who wrote less. It wasn't that one was greater than the other. That's why we call them major, major prophets and minor prophets. Amen? All right, okay. So let's not major on the minors, please. All right. So then they take that down and not one individual, there is no translation that stands the scrutiny that has been interpreted by one human being. Not one. These are, by the time it gets to print, by the time it gets to print, has been scrutinized and re-scrutinized and re-scrutinized so that there is no bias. 
And so now we go down the thought of, then we break down the Scripture furthermore into two different ways. There is word for word and there is thought for thought. Are you with me? Those are actually methods of translation. Word for word or thought for thought. And sometimes it's very difficult in the English language to take from the Hebrew or, or the Greek and translate it. So we have filler words and, and, and you know, that would still be under the word for word trying to translate as accurate without losing any of, of the context. And without altering it to make it say something else that leans more to what I like as doctrine. Are you with me? And that's why many people are doing the translation so that it doesn't slip through the cracks. So whether we like the word or we don't like the word, we don't translate it into something it doesn't need to say. Are you with me? Come on. All right, so, so it goes through all of that and then finally they relook through everything and then finally goes into print. And then everything else out of the word for word or thought for thought, you have what we call paraphrased Bibles. Paraphrase is putting into uh, a, a, a vernacular through creatively like there are different, the Message Bible, the Passion Translation, those are paraphrased Bibles, which I think the Message and the, paraf- and the Passion Translation actually contain 50% more language than the original manuscript. That doesn't mean the Passion Translation or the Message Translation is not a good, that's not what I'm saying. Please listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking on the technicality of word for word or thought for thought on those Bibles are the most accurate translations. And a lot of the paraphrased Bibles uh, don't make it on a scholarly level because they're interpreted by one human being only and not by the scrutiny of hundreds. Amen. So uh, I I like actually the Message Bible, uh, the, 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 uh, what is it, Uh, the, the, uh, the, the company that prints, the printing company for the Message Bible, it actually has a disclaimer to say, this is not a standalone Bible. In other words, please do not use this as uh, to establish and build doctrine with. The, the Message Bible, all right? Now the translation, the Passion Translation has... Uh, what uh, has a vernacular through a lens of the love of the Father. Are you with me? It's, it's life-giving. It's new covenantal understanding that's been applied. So there's no incorrect or incorrect. I'm not saying. Now, there are some Bibles that are way out and completely wacky. Why am I talking about all of this? Is because we have to. God has exalted His Word above His name. This is what keeps us. This is what establishes us. This is what matures us. This is what grows us. This is what disciplines us. This is what makes us and helps us to understand and become everything that God wants us to be. Without this or a deviation of this, we are going to have hybrid, weird-looking individuals. 
all right? Not, not people that are concoctions of their own mind or their own revelations, amen? And so based on, on, based on how Bibles get translated and scrutinised, the, uh, there, uh, the, the, the five most, uh, and then there's more, there's probably about 10, uh, but I know five, I know four off the top of my head, the, four, the top four, the four most well translated word for word and thought for thought. I'll give you one thought for thought. I'll give you three word for word, word for word translations. Number one, the number one Bible that has been translated with the most accuracy is the New American Standard Bible, 1995 edition. <clears throat> number two is the King James Version. Number three is the New King James Version. And number four, thought for thought, is the New Living Translation, all right? The New Living Translation is a thought for thought. In other words, it is taking thought and rewording thought, carrying the same identical meaning in different words and carrying a, modern, a more modernised vernacular. Are you with me? But it's not a derivative or taking or adding or removing from. Are you with me? All right? And then the, the paraphrase Bibles don't fall into any of that category. All right, now please don't misunderstand. I'm saying we have those as additional tools, but the original on a technicality, the originals that have been scrutinised, I'm telling you that is the most, uh, not, not valid or the other ones invalid, the most word for word are the, the ones that I've just given you right now. In fact, most of the older preachers, you will hear them, even though they use different translations now, they will read out of the New King James, the New Living Translation, the Passion Translation, and they will actually quote Scripture in the King James Version because that's what they grew up on. Are you with me? Thou, therefore, thou art, verily, yea, have I not said the, the two, yea, 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 verily, have I not said. And in fact, the old school prophets which when I'm saying there's nothing wrong, when they prophesied, they also prophesied in the King James Version too. Amen? And then sometimes when we pray to God, we think that we need to pray in the King James Version. Oh God, we come before Thee today. Amen? Like the old King James, uh, you know, we think we're in England somewhere with the Queen having tea. But anyway, I say all of that to say this, that we have to place equal importance on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen? Come on, we're talking about the Barak. I mean, we wonder if we, if we keep to the Word and stick to the Word, we will also uh, see the operation of the blessing of the Lord functioning. Amen. You know? Amen. Now you'll hear this church quoting a lot from the Passion Translation. Why? Because it, it puts into it puts scriptures into um, in, it gives it a a, a really you know a, 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 a very poetic way and descriptive way of putting into what I would maybe preach and bring as a revelation into words. Like sometimes you read it and it's actually reading what I would have liked to have put on pen and paper myself, and it just took away the homework for me. Are you with me? Okay. 
Anyway, so, so we have the Word of God that is our foundation. That is the most important thing. Everything else, everything else is secondary. They are they have their utmost importance, but let's just realise what the Word is to us. Amen? My Word, God, have I put in my... Your Word, O oh God, have I put in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen? And I'm putting a lot of emphasis on this this morning is because we have more than ever and live in a generation of time where, we are, where there is a deviation from the Word of God. Like it becomes a secondary thing then, and everything else takes a precedence. For instance, um, and I'm gonna, <laughs> Lord Jesus, it's 1220. All right. For instance, for instance, we have a very large, quant- we have a very large culture in the church that is the culture that I call the, the, the worshippers who worship worship. Are you with me? A culture that worships worship. And let me just go ahead and say this. When we worship God, now I'm talking about specifically in song. When we worship God in song, when we tell a believer it's time to worship God, the number one thing on a believer's mind in the worship of God is the expression through music of worship to God. Amen? In fact, even when we do fast songs and slow songs, it's all part of our worship. Whether it's, we call the fast songs praise and we call the slow songs worship. That's what we do. It's all worship. All right, those are expressions of the believer to God to worship Him. But the giving of your life for the purpose of God is a higher realm of worship. True worship is not just in the ability to express because words can come easy. We can lift and we can behave and we can do very, very easily. But higher levels of our worship is not just in this atmosphere of song that is created by psalmists that we can come into and experience the presence of God. As wonderful as that is, but if there is no takeaway and transformation, you see, the transformation just doesn't happen in the atmosphere. The transformation, number one, comes from the validation of this Word that we allow ourselves that that were to be formed in us because when we begin to put our lives on the altar of the truth I do not take the word and make it submit to my opinion I take my opinion and I submit it I put it on the sacrifice of this word and I allow this word to be the transforming part of my life and that is a higher place of worship than to worship in song. Come on, somebody. And we want all of those dynamics. But how it gets, how much shift there is in the understanding and how we, 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 we place more emphasis, like worship in song is the ultimate. No, it's, it's part of it and it's important. 
Because we come into His court, we come with praise. Sometimes the best thing to do in, in, in an atmosphere where we're feeling a struggle or a war isn't to try and go deeper into the realms of the seventh heaven. Sometimes it's just as simple as let's beat the tar out of the drums and we're gonna tell you devil, get lost, don't come back. And you begin to praise because praise will bring you the breakthrough better than anything else. Praise will shift the atmosphere. How many of you ever noticed that? You can be, and then there, there can be something like, you know, just like, you know, there's, there's a war going on and then all of a sudden the beat changes, boom, boom, and we get into this prophetic beat and the drums start going and then all of a sudden there's a shift. The worship in that depth of that worship is when the reverential, I mean, you know, there's none of that atmosphere gone. Now, now we're just entering into the deep of God. Amen? So worship the way we worship is just the expression. The life given is the fruit. It should be the fruit of our worship. Amen? So it's deeper than just song. Amen? That's why you can worship till the cows come home. Let me tell you right now, the Bible doesn't say we're gonna, we're gonna worship until Jesus comes back. We, we gotta go preach and be the hands and feet of Jesus to the earth, amen? Jesus is not coming back for a church that know how to engage in song. He's coming back for a glorious church without any stain, spot, blemish or wrinkle. He's coming back for a church of power. I'm not diminishing a ministry. Oh, please do not misunderstand me. Because I think that we've clearly demonstrated that we are a heart that loves the presence of God. We love to worship and bring people into the presence of God. I'm saying this so that we can quickly have a wake up on that, right? Because on the other side of the coin, I don't know why I'm even going here. I might as well just stick here for a few seconds. On the other side of the coin, when I say that we can worship worship is because we have, we have also in the church a Hollywood spirit that has crept into the worship culture where we've made people idols. No different than the secular world. No different than the secular world. We listen to this group and that group and this group, but we idolize these, these artists and whatever. Well, then, no, just like, just like you, you, we don't idolize anybody. We're only, we only idolize, we don't even, we, we exalt, we magnify. He is the only one that is deserving of our worship. He is the only one. It's none of this Hollywood stuff. I'm flying in how much, I mean, and some of these worship teams that we idolize just so that you know, just so that you know, won't even embrace the doorstep of your church until you cut them a check first. And that happens to be some of the great ones that we all sing in the church. So I just want to reduce that whole thing and take, just put a little, take, remove the, 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 the pin from the grenade and let that thing blow up. 
Amen? Amen. And let's bring this thing back onto Jesus. And we, and, we, and we try the best that we, we try the best. And by the way, I know we're talking about the, the, the Barak here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, I am talking about the Barak of God here. Might as well just say it, because if we, will, if we will follow through on what we are hearing, we are going to cultivate an atmosphere of the Barak of God, the blessing of the Lord. Why? Because if we will always keep Him at the centre of everything that we do, I guarantee you when Jesus is at the centre, you will see the blessing of the the Lord there. That's why we try to, as much as we can, even in our worship, we will always try to bring words in our worship lyrically that are exalting Jesus. Why? Because I'm saying that to say this because I'm, I'm not speaking as one who is ignorant concerning these things because there's some, there's some groups right now that, that, that before they go and actually like feel, uh, uh, just, what is it, uh, uh, the, the, the inspiration. They feel the inspiration to start writing worship songs and they go smoking weed first so that they can feel inspired to write worship. of popular songs that you and I know and sing. So we're gonna get high as a kite now before we feel inspiration, like the Holy Spirit can't inspire you to write something. Anyway, all right. So we, 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 we choose. I mean, you know, we don't want, to, we're not trying to be legalistic in that, you know, because in everything we've got to exercise the spirit of grace. Because if a song is anointed, it's anointed. What are you going to do about that? If the song's anointed, we're going to sing the song. It's anointing. It carries an anointing. But most of the time when it carries that anointing, I guarantee you because the lyrics inside that song are exalting Jesus, there is something inside there. And it's not just because the tune sounds really good. There's something inside that song that was written that, is, that, that aligns itself with the one in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and all things that were created. It contains His life in it. Amen? Amen. So, so I'm not, this is not me kind of like, this is not a bashing session here. I'm just trying to say. Because I sit and think about it. I, th- I think about a lot of things and I analyze them and I, and I think long and hard and I, and I bring it and I submit it to the truth of this word. I, this is my measuring stick. If we deviate this, we have no form or measurement tool to measure anything with and anything becomes possible when we deviate from this. Anything and all things will become permissible when we deviate from the living word of God then we allow anything through the church doors. If this no longer becomes the, there is a reason these 66 books were put in and not extra books. Come on, y'all know some of you in this room know that there was extra books. They didn't get put in here for a reason.
They didn't get put in there for a reason. And most of the reason is because it is conflicting to the truth of who God is in these 66 books. It tells you another God. It tells you other things that don't coincide with this. It is not profitable for doctrine. It is not. This is profitable for doctrine. This is for the establishing of the church, not some other book or what some other author wrote. We can learn from and we can take points from, but we do not get established and make Bible doctrine of anything outside of this book. Oh, there is a strong delusion on the face of the earth right now. The strongest delusion is the deviation from this word. And when you deviate from this word, you are in danger. When this becomes questionable, you're in trouble. Oh, maybe you never came to church thinking I was going to preach about this. I didn't come to church thinking I was preaching about this, but evidently I am and I feel a mighty flow in it, so I'll just stick with it. Amen? So, so just so that you know, this is what we've signed up for. This Bible, hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah the inspired Word of God, the revelation of who Jesus is. Glory to God. Bind it to my chest as tight as I can. I hide His words on the inside of me, for they are life. This is life. This is life. Everything you need is here. And if you're challenged by some of it, if the cat doesn't like the way it's being rubbed, let the cat turn around. You don't, you don't turn everything else to... to you, you, we've got to understand. There's some things that we do not understand. Do you understand eternity here? Do you understand everything about eternity? Or are you going to need eternity to understand the infinite nature of God? Do not reduce God to a concoction of your humanistic thinking. Do not bring Him down into an evaluation of, well, if I was God, because a lot of these opinions are not based on the Word, they are concocted by a graven image of a God of man's making. Well, it's a little bit old-fashioned. Well, you know what they say also is old-fashioned is the Constitution of the United States of America. And thank God for it. Well, you're just a little bit old school. Praise God. I'll tell you what. I'm telling you right now. Let me just go ahead and say something. The, the younger generation, and I'm not saying, just listen to me. The younger generation can sit around some of the older generation and get, I mean, put your heads at the altar and just say, 
pour into me, lay hands on me so I can receive some of the nature, some of the character, some of the integrity that your generation was taught. And I'm not saying that because it's a dig at anybody here, but I'll tell you what, that older generation, there's something about the older generation that are loyal, that are faithful, that are true to the Word of God. That we can sit under and say, God, I want that because I tell you what, that's part of the nature and character of God. And it got lost. And I'll tell you where it got lost and where it's crept into the church. It got lost in the breaking down of the fabric of the family and in the, in the breaking down of authority inside of the household of the family. At the nucleus of the family where there is no respect for mom and dad. What do you think the church is gonna look like if there is no respect at the, at the family home? Because it's been eroded away, it's been destroyed and that whole mentality is crept right into the church. Amen. Amen. It is the fruit of something that took place outside of the church doors before it walked into the church doors. And we wonder why we're dealing with that mindset in the church is because it's years of seed sown that has produced a fruit. Now you can't rebuke, you can't correct, you can't do this because the moment you say anything that rubs people the wrong way, they get offended. We become so offended about everything. We've got to walk on eggshells. We can't say anything because if I say this, somebody's going to get offended. We say this, somebody, and I'm not here. This is, I'm not here to, I mean, I don't live to offend people. I'm just trying to say we've deviated and here's the reason why. And I'm telling you why it's that way. And the Bible says concerning those that refuse to be corrected that they, the the Bible says you are illegitimate. And the Bible says, in fact, one translation says you are like a bastard. I'm not making that up, it's in your Bible. Calls them bastards. And that was a word for word translation, by the way. That's not even thought for thought. Come on. Amen. Amen. And in that is the power of God. And we need to restore that truth. Yes. That truth needs to be restored. Come on. The truth, just the truth of what I'm talking to, this living word needs to become your anchor. It needs to become your everything. Maybe you have exalted ideology above this word and you have a hard time with things to reconcile it here. Well, let me just say this. Maybe you need to reconcile in your own head that you might be wrong. That takes a humbling process to humble yourself to the truth of the word. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to make you say things you've never said. I don't want to make you 
something that, you're, that, 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 that isn't found here. And when I have to have a revelation of God's Word, let me just help you out here this morning. If you have to come and preach something behind this pulpit about a revelation of who God is, and you're using Scriptures, and you have 20 pages to bring you to the conclusion of why you see Him, otherwise there is a problem, then we're all in trouble. Thank God you made it to the face of the earth, because without your 20-page explanation, we would never have known God. Or do you think that God is made Himself very easily accessible through the simplicity of His Word. Well, this Scripture, you know it. Now, I know that there's context and we can break that down and we do that here. Just like you hear me talking about the the armour of God. How many of you, when you go to bed at night, uh, you know, that you before you go to bed, you say, Lord, I'm taking my arm off right now. You got me while I'm sleeping. Because how many of you know you don't wear your armour while you're sleeping, right? So you put, you put your armour down on the side of your bed. In the morning, Lord, I'll wake up and I'll put my armour back on because Ephesians says, put on the armour of God. When I wake up in the morning, but well, I mean... God, I'm, 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 I'm vulnerable while I'm sleeping, but when I wake up in the morning, I'll put my armor back on. Listen to me. So there's context there. When, 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 when Paul was speaking there in, uh, to, to the Ephesians, he was speaking in a way that they could understand. Why? Because they dealt with Roman soldiers all the time. And he said the armour of God, and he was equating the armour of God to the Roman soldier and every part of the armour that he had. And he was going to say like, hey, the, this, the shield that the, that the Roman soldier, had, that's the shield of faith. So give them an idea of what the glory and the clothing of the anointing does for them. The, the anointing, when you... When when you put on the shield of faith, it's like an armor that takes on the darts of the enemy. When you put on the helmet of salvation, come on, the Word of God, that you're putting the Word that renews the mind on top of you. Come on, you've got the, 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 the happy are the feet of them that preach good news, the, the shoes that take you to carry the Gospel. It's like that, the Gospel. In other words, the anointing, that spiritual armour is a, is a mantle. It is the, the anointing of God that you are clothed in from morning to night. Guess what? The beautiful part is... You go to sleep in the glory. You sleep in the clothing of His glory. You wake up in His glory. Now, if anything, if you wanna pray and put on the armour of God, it's just for your own faith that you say, Lord, today you're just, you are building yourself up in your most holy faith, but that anointing's already there. Amen. Amen. Come on, He set you up. He didn't leave in. I mean, there is, there, is, there is nothing that God didn't do. There is nothing. Oh, And this is the last thing I'm gonna say, I promise. There is nothing, zero. There is nothing that evaded the mind of God. There is nothing that God who created the heavens and the earth in the details, come on, think about that. Just put one cell. 
under a microscope and look at the complexity of it. That the creator of the heaven and earth, he never forgot one thing. He is perfect. And his perfection, in his perfection, he never left one thing that he never forgot. He never forgot about one thing that you would need in order to fulfill his destiny for your life. That you walk in the blessing and the barak of heaven. He never missed it by one moment. And you need to take faith in that God. Who is detailed down? I mean, look at the look at a cell. I mean, take any cell and look at it. It's so complicated. It's beautiful. Science to this day cannot fathom the symmetry, the the, the complexity. They don't have instruments to go down to the minutia, even at the micro, micro, micro level. It's still there's no equipment to see the detail of God, and He cares for you, and He wants you to be blessed, and He wants you to know that. If fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise God. And because of time, I wanted to do one thing, but I'm going to hold back. Brother Dale, won't you stand up? I really feel led to do this. I'm just letting you know. I want to have you, I want to have you come. I want to introduce you to this body. I want. I just. I know. Look, there's some things that I just know that I know. I want to tell you. Get to know this man. He's full of faith. He is full of the word. And I'm not putting words here to to do anything. There's no motivation for manipulation or anything. But I am here to just say that we we, no matter what, you are welcome in this house. You are welcome in this house and we embrace the call of God and we embrace the anointing upon your life because it is a building anointing and it is here to add to the picture and the vision of what God is wanting to do in this house. So I just want to know, I want you to know that I know what I'm connecting with and I want to honour you. I want to honour you. He lost his wife, was it 21? 22, 21. He lost his wife in 2021, married for 42 years? 48. 48, sorry. It's a big difference. 48 years, they, I mean, they were like white on rice, you understand? They were like together wherever they went. And uh, his desire, obviously she's in glory. And I sat with him the other day and I had coffee. And I felt the Lord just speak to me and said, look, I just saw his heart like an open book and I saw the desire of his heart to be in eternity with her, but also the understanding that brings strength to him here while he has breath in his lungs. 
is that the rest of his days belong to the eternal purposes of Jesus and nothing else. So every breath of oxygen that He breathes, He breathes to the glory of the Lord until either Jesus comes back or it's His time to go home. Are you with me? So I wanted to do that for today. But if you're here next week, I want to hand you the mic to say hi to everybody. All right? And please say something spiritual. What's that? No, I will not be short. Oh, no, he won't be short for words. It's true. Every good preacher is never short for words. Hello. And he plays drums. Oh, he is a drummer. Yeah. Can you do anything on those drums for us right now? Okay. All right. Maybe next week, just. Well, have you do a couple of things and come and say hi. All right. All right. Well, in the name of Jesus, how many of you have been blessed today? Well, I tell you, I'm glad, I'm telling you, I'm glad I came to church today. We have another woman of God over here too. Tammy, you're also, you're all women of God and men of God in this place. Just wanna, I wanna say, you know, I, I, I have a really big heart. That's what I'm saying. I, I honour, I honour the wisdom of those who have had a little bit more breath of many more years in their, in their lungs than I have. I honour that. And I think you guys, Jack, Miss Jackie, you know we love you. We make room for that. We need you. We, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. We need you. You are, not, you are not fossils. God is not done with you. There's still very much God is still, I mean, the best is yet to come, glory to God. Your best days are ahead of you. you are, your best days are ahead of you. No, 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 because that's the way they treat like, the, the, you know, you start getting older. Oh, you just you, like they don't understand. No, they've been through more than you can even begin to understand. Easy said, Amen. <laughs> come on, another woman of God here. Another woman of God here. Come on, woman of God. Pastor Sharon, come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, glory to God. I don't care if, if I don't care if this church is made up, uh, and please, I love everybody else that's below this, but I don't care if this church is made up of people of 60 and above and that's all we have. Glory to God. We're gonna go kick some devil butt together. I'll tell you what, we will do, we will outshine some of the younger generation. We'll show them how to get some stuff done. No offence to anybody else. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you may be, you are blessed. You are released in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are here watching by way of online, and we wanna, we wanna say thank you for watching our broadcast today, the live stream. Thank you for watching with us. And I hope that you've been blessed. If you are watching and you wanna sow, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Your Support button where you can give safely and securely. If you are in church and you're writing our checks, make them out to Destiny Revival Ministries or DRM. And we have envelopes to my right, your left. And then lastly, if you want a text to give, text the word give to 337-4343-777. You'll get a text back where you can get a link to give safely and securely. God bless you. Jesus is Lord. Heaven is for you. God is for you. Therefore, who can be against you? Be blessed in the mighty Name of Jesus. Amen.